0: KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. It's just a good conversation with someone you didn't know you were interested in. I'm Matt Leon, and this is one on one sponsored by your Delaware Valley Honda dealers. Get a deal you'll like on a Honda you'll love.
1: I just always wanted to ride. And then once I finally talked my parents into it, I really wore them down. Then I just was at the barn all the time. Anytime I could be there, I was there. I was happy cleaning stalls. I was happy grooming the horses. I was happy riding. And so then I eventually made a career out of it and I love it.
0: And our guest this week, Corey Kieschnick. She is the director of equestrian sports at Delaware Valley University out in Doylestown. Corey, thanks so much for taking the time. Thanks for having me. So to start equestrian sports, obviously we are talking about horses. But for people maybe that aren't familiar, kind of talk a little bit about what is under your purview. Because I know there's the athletic angle that you're dealing with, but also classroom-wise. Kind of talk about all your work, and it all deals with horses.
1: Yeah, it does. Um, yeah, I wear a few hats. So as director of equestrian sports, I oversee our hunt seat team, our western team, and our dressage team, who um, all compete for DelVal in a couple different associations. I also am a professor and chair of equine science and management. So that's our academic department. I kind of brand it as DelVal equine and everything falls under that umbrella. But equestrian sports is out of the Department of Athletics and the academic side of the house is different, obviously.
0: I would imagine, though, they complement each other pretty well. I mean, obviously, yes, they're all horses, but you're really getting a a kind of a full view of everything that goes into really anything that has to do with the the equestrian lifestyle.
1: Yeah, and there's a lot of overlap in our students and our student-athletes. So a lot of our equine majors or minors are also riding on one of our three teams. Uh, We also have, we do have two on-campus equine facilities here at DelVal. So because we have this on-campus equestrian center, that's where the students ride for their academic riding skills classes. Also, our student-athletes practicing here at the Equestrian Center. And then we have the hands-on classes that are going on as well. So we have management classes, we have science-based classes, all of those that are involved in the curriculum. But then, yeah, we have our student-athletes who are practicing here every week.
0: When it comes to the athletic side and it comes to competing, what's the calendar look like for you?
1: We typically hold tryouts in early September for all the teams. And then the competition season starts usually end of September, early October and goes all the way through national championships are end of April or early May, depending on the association. So it is year round. And so sometimes it is hot and sometimes it is very, very cold.
0: (laughs) How does specifically as we're talking, it's 20 degrees outside here in the Delaware Valley. uh, What specific challenges does the cold weather present? Uh, when it comes to riding, caring for... Training and preparing horses. I mean, I would imagine the facility is is indoors, but there's cold, cold's cold, cold, and probably the horses are going to be outside some?
1: Yeah, the horses, we try to get the horses outside as much as possible. Actually, it's really good for them to move around, but the care of the horses is 365 days a year, right? So we have students who are helping to care for the horses, and some of those are student athletes, some of those are academic students, some of those students are. Um, majoring in something else, but they're a student employee at one of the equine facilities. So they're they're down here, they're working even when it's cold. And I think it's great, actually. I think that if you see, if you get a, a resume from anybody who does horses on a regular basis, and you see horse on there, then you should think like, oh, This kid probably can work pretty hard and is pretty reliable because you have to show up for horses every single day, no matter how cold it is. And I'm from Tennessee, so I am not a fan of the cold
0: still. Coming from Tennessee, my next question, I wanted to kind of dig into your backstory. What was your introduction to horses past just, you know, talking about them, seeing them at a petting zoo? Like, what was your interaction? Were you on a farm growing up?
1: no i I just grew up in a neighborhood, but I had um I have the horse gene, I think, or the horse bug, and I always say that I'm looking for one of my biology colleagues to help me isolate this horse gene and figure out it's got I think it's a recessive gene, and it's just in there or it's not. I have three kids, and I don't think any of them have it so I just always wanted to ride. And then once I finally talked my parents into it, I really wore them down. Then I just was at the barn all the time. Anytime I could be there, I was there. I was happy cleaning stalls. I was happy grooming the horses. I was happy riding, anything and everything. And so then I eventually made a career out of it. And uh, and I love it. I still
0: love it. Did you, from that early point when you fell in love with it, did you always figure this was going to be your career one way or another, it just mattered what it looked like, or was it until you were older, and you kind of knew what went into it, saw what the possibilities were for what you could do, that you decided, yes, this is what I'm going to do?
1: You know, I don't know if I really knew that this is what I wanted to do forever. I certainly knew that I wanted horses in my life forever. But I, after I graduated from college, then I found this job posting for this position at DelVal, which is why I originally came up to Pennsylvania in 2001. And it was the perfect marriage of courses, coaching, and teaching with kind of a a regular job, right? Where I'm not all, all every evening and every weekend working nonstop, which is kind of what it's like in the just in the regular industry, right? But in academia, where um, there's a season, then you're on or you're off, uh, even though it's a long season. And then also, we're working with the um, academic classroom schedule a little bit more.
0: When did you start competing as far as showing horses and stuff like that?
1: Um, I when I was in middle school, I started competing. I always liked it, but I really think that as I got into college, I really liked the teaching part. I taught a lot. I liked taking kids to horse shows, maybe even more than I liked showing myself. I really liked that the coaching element of it. Um, And I certainly liked teaching at home, working with horses and riders both. So I'm a competitive person. In high school, I ran track and cross-country. I certainly like to compete, and I like to win. So that that's definitely worked out for me as a college coach.
0: You went to college originally, College of Charleston. And yeah. in prepping for this interview, I was listening to you on another podcast, and you talked about how things kind of got out of whack at College of Charleston because you got mono. And it led to short-term memory loss. I've never heard of that connection with mono. Can you kind of talk what that was like? That sounds terrifying.
1: Yeah, it was kind of awful. Um, I ended up with mono. My face swelled up really, really big. I kept taking mono tests at the health center, and they kept kept coming back negative. I don't know if the testing is has advanced at all since I was in college. That was a long time ago, but... Um, I ultimately did test positive for mono and I had all sorts of swollen lymph nodes and I started really struggling with remembering things. So where I was, you know, getting pretty easy A's in my classes, I, every time I took a quiz, every time I took a test, every time I tried to write write a paper, I just could not remember a thing after a semester. So I had to, I had to take a leave from college of Charleston and ultimately then transferred back to the university of Tennessee where I graduated from. But I will say that it took about a semester to sort of shake out of my system. And then my short term memory was better. And then I had kids. So now it's probably worse
0: again. Was that scary at all, though? Because that just something when that starts to not be there that I just imagine it is easy to Just really, I would start to panic. Like, what is going on? Were you able to kind of work through it? Were there moments of panic with that thing? Especially, like you said, where it was all, I don't want to say coming easy, but going as it should. And then all of a sudden life's turned on its head.
1: Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if I got panicky. I'm not much of a panicker, but I did get frustrated for sure because I just kept saying like, no, there's something wrong. There's something going on. And so then at the health center, they were saying, well, you know, we really think maybe you should get a CAT scan. Maybe it's a brain. tumor." I was like, well, okay. I mean, that feels, my parents didn't love that when they, when they said that that didn't go over real well, but, um, yeah, ultimately it was just mono. And then I was fine. I watched a lot of real world Seattle.
0: <laughs> how much did you compete in college? I, at Tennessee, as far as how often were shows and stuff like that?
1: So I only rode on the team at college of Charleston. I didn't, the, the team at the university of Tennessee was at that point a club team and it was way less organized. And so I ended up really just focusing on teaching. I rode myself, I rode other people's horses, but I didn't compete at the University of Tennessee. So then when I had a chance to come to Del Vau and um, get involved in the team, uh, the association that we compete with is called the IHSA, or the Intercollegiate Horse Show Association. That's the hunt seat in the western. The dressage is the Intercollegiate Dressage Association. It's a little bit younger. But when I had a chance to get involved with the IHSA again when I came back to Delval, I was thrilled because I think it's such a great organization and it's a great platform, and it has a lot of really wonderful life lessons for riders. And it also that The access is pretty impressive. So you don't have to have your own horse. You don't have to have a ton of money. So it's really accessible to a lot of different people who have had, I would say, varying amounts of riding background.
0: And this would probably be a great point for people who aren't familiar, just so we don't kind of lose them in the verbiage. Dressage, Hunt Seat Western, can you kind of give us a primer on what each is all about.
1: Yeah, sure. So um, I'll start with hunt seat. If you think uh, you see horses jumping over things, right, that's, um, well, it's hunter seat equitation is what it's called. It's based on the position. So riders are judged based on the position and the use of the aids. So their ability to communicate with the horse, and that can be on the flat where they go around sort in a ring. um, And then also over fences where they're they're jumping over things. Our Western team, you think that's the saddle with the horn. Uh, And so they are riding either on the rail. And again, it's based on the position. It's based on their ability to communicate with the horse. And then also they do a reining pattern where they're doing some spins, some sliding stops, that kind of thing. Our dressage is a pattern-based mostly a pattern-based competition so they have um a preset pattern that they have to ride the strips for longer uh strips what you put your feet in so uh they're sitting the whole time they're not jumping over anything at all so that's that's sort of a nutshell of all three disciplines just in layman's terms
0: do you have a favorite
1: yeah i've i've been the head coach of the hunt seat team for you know, 20 20 years or so. Um, And that's really where my, that's where my expertise lies. I've certainly ridden in all three disciplines, uh, Western being the the one that I'm the least, uh, I've ridden the least, but dressage and hunt seat, I've ridden quite a bit, but yeah, hunt seat's my, it sort of has
0: one of the things as someone who's gone to his fair share of horse shows that people need to appreciate is the level of discipline, the level of precision that goes into these things. Because I think you can watch them and you can think somebody did really well and you get the, the scores and you're like, oh, they weren't impressed at all. Like you have to be on point constantly to excel here.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that a lot of people think like, well, the horse is the athlete, right? And absolutely, we have we have horses who we're so grateful for, who are so athletic. But the student athletes are also athletes themselves. They're going to the weight room. They're going out for runs. They're doing a, a ton of planks, right? They're doing a lot of core work a lot of leg work and they're, they're practicing a lot and they work really hard. So it's a, it's a partnership, but the cool thing I think about the IHSA um, and also the IDA is that these riders don't know the horses, so they're not bringing their own horses, They're going to a horse show and drawing a horse randomly at random. So maybe a horse's name out of a hat or maybe it's assigned numerically and they don't have any warm up time in the hunt seat in the Western riding. They have to go directly into the show ring and compete on that horse who they probably have never met before. So. They really have to have what we call universal aids. They have to be able to use their aids or the way that they communicate with the horse in a way that the horse can understand. So they have to be really accurate. You're absolutely right. They have to be so accurate and they have to be very tactful so they don't make an enemy right at the beginning of the ride. So they have to quickly form a partnership. The idea, you get a few minutes to warm up before you ride your pattern, but it's just a few.
0: Did you ever at any point have fear when you were riding because these are animals and they're large animals and 99.9% of the time things go as you want them but sometimes they don't and bad things can happen like did you have ever have fear you had to work through or have you ever had riders that maybe got thrown off at some point and struggled to kind of build back the the courage to to do it again is that is that kind of a part of the of the sport here
1: yeah, absolutely. The sports psychology of it is is fascinating and it can be it can be a pretty big barrier because once you get scared up there then it's a little it can be a little bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy where the horse then senses that you're nervous and then the horse gets a little bit anxious and then it's sort of a vicious cycle. So I will I will say that what I typically do is try to set everybody up for success, right? I'm putting them on horses that I know that they're going to be capable of riding that are going to be safe. We're so lucky at Del Valle that we have a herd of different levels of horses so you can as you grow as a rider, then you can move up the levels onto horses that are going to challenge you, but are still going to be reasonable and safe. That being said, they're horses. And so they are unpredictable. But safety is our top priority here at DelVal. It's my top priority as an instructor and as a coach. And so we do see fearful riders for sure. And the goal is to work through that in a, in a reasonable way.
0: We need to take a break and we will have more with Delaware Valley University Director of Equestrian Sports, Corey Kieschnick coming up on one on one. But right now there's nothing quite like the Honda Accord Hybrid and the CRV Hybrid when it comes to exhilarating efficiency. With hybrid technology and thrilling capability, these vehicles deliver an electrifying performance on every drive. This new year, discover for yourself what truly makes these hybrids special. Redefine your driving experience with Honda. K- bb.com's best value brand of 2023. Contact your local Honda dealer today about the Honda Accord Hybrid and the CRV Hybrid. And now let's get back to our conversation on one-on-one with Corey Kieschnick. She is the Director of Equestrian Sports at Delaware Valley University in Doylestown. What is your favorite part when you're on a horse? Like, what do you love about riding? And just be it just out wandering around on a horse or competing but what do you love about being up there
1: oh that's a good question um i i think that a, a large percentage of my job at this point is sitting here at my desk i do some emailing right quite a bit of emailing just like just like everybody else right and so sometimes i'll just Stand up from my desk. I'll walk down to the barn. I'll walk all the way through, pet all the horses, walk back down the aisle, pet all the horses on the other side, take a breath, and come back to my office. And I just feel a little bit more at peace because I have that horse bug. I love the smell. I love the relationships that I have with these guys. Sometimes, I, some of the horses that we have here, I've known and have been working with for over 15 years. So that's a really long relationship. And we work together on a daily basis. We teach together. It's a partnership between the coach and the horse in order to make sure that the riders are developing. So anytime that I get to sit on the horse, I just feel immediately like, oh, this is where I want to be. I love this. It's such a it's such a great feeling and it's so um comfortable and it's so familiar, I think. And maybe that's because I've got that recessive horse gene, uh, maybe because I've been doing it for so long, but I do feel just great anytime I'm sitting on one.
0: When it comes to when you have student athletes competing, are you out recruiting or for the most part, does the reputation of Val take care of itself because you guys are so known overall as an institution when it comes to agriculture and stuff like that or are you going out to horse shows where teenagers are competing and kind of planting the seed that hey if you want to take this to the next level we'd love to have you
1: yeah uh, all those things we're doing all those things so sometimes we're going out to horse shows and we're chatting with high school riders we're chatting with industry professionals like hey remember you know you've got you've got these 3 send them our way for a tour kind of thing. We also go to equestrian recruiting events, specific events that they have. So we just left one in Florida where we have a table, they have a horse show there, everybody comes around. So it's a little bit like a college fair, but for students who really want to ride in college. But also we we have a lot of student athletes who are coming in with the intention that they're going to try out for one of the three teams because. They know this is what we do and they know that we do it well.
0: Is one way to ride harder to recruit than the others? You know, in football, certain positions, you've got to work a little harder to find high end. You know, is it the same in equestrian? Is some you're more likely to be able to find kids and others you're really going to have to work?
1: Yeah, I would say that um, in years past, dressage of the three disciplines was probably the hardest to find the riders who had experience in it. I will say that since there's a there's a middle school and high school organization now that's called the Interscholastic Equestrian Association or the IEA. And that now has dressage. And because that has dressage, I think a lot of these younger riders are getting more exposure to it. So we're now seeing more and more riders come in who have some experience with the background in maybe even all three disciplines which is pretty cool i mean we do have multi-discipline and multi-sport athletes here at delval so they may come in as primarily a hunt seat rider but we often then they'll get sort of recruited by the dressage coaches like hey also maybe you want to come ride on the dressage team. i have so many who haven't had any western experience at all and by the time they're a senior, they've been talked into coming and joining the Western team and they have a they have a ball.
0: Are there any other sports that complement horse riding well? Because this is a question I'll often ask coaches, you know, if you coach volleyball. Are there other sports whose skill sets translate well? And if you hear a kid plays volleyball and X, your ears perk up. Is there anything that complements what you guys do that? If a kid is good at that and wants to ride, you feel, oh, this this could really help.
1: You know, I would say that any of them who want to come in and do field hockey and hunt seat, or they want to do soccer and they want to do dressage, we're pretty interested in that because we know that kid's going to be dedicated, to, um, not only um making sure that they can stay on top of that busy, busy schedule, because being a student and doing two sports, even at the D3 level, right, is pretty, that's pretty taxing. And you have to really figure out how to prioritize everything that needs to be prioritized. But I would say that, yeah, anything that they want to do that is Um, showing commitment to physical fitness. We had a gymnast who came in with almost no riding experience at all. And just because of the coordination, balance, and strength, along with flexibility, that really, I mean, she was very, very successful.
0: And it's interesting. I'm sorry, because gymnastics was the one that jumped in my head, not for what you said, but because of the attention to detail. The understanding that a little, an inch on what you do is the difference between an A and a D, you know, like I, I thought that would be a mindset thing that they would be much easier to get their head around what it takes to be great.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's true. And she, yeah, like I said, she was very successful. I think that one thing that's pretty cool about, especially about the IHSA is that we have student athletes who are competing at different levels. So we have the student athletes who have been, who are showing very successfully at an elite level, and they're competing against each other in an open division. But we also have at the the very beginning, we have a class one, an introductory class, which means that those riders cannot, when they enter the IHSA, have had, they have to have had fewer than 24 weeks of instruction and so they're starting from scratch really so those riders then are all all competing against each other and together the eight classes make up the team.
0: Are there hotbeds across the country of places that you'll look for potential riders but like I said my experience with my daughter South Jersey you know it's a very rural area and there's a lot of interest. In horse shows and stuff like that, are there hot spots like that? Is that am I right, or is it just because she competed there? I think it's high level. Uh, are there <laughs> places around the country that, like, when you're putting together where you're going to look, these are the first places yeah. we're going to tick off?
1: Yeah, I would say that the, um, our student base is coming from primarily from Pennsylvania, from New Jersey, New York, Maryland, Massachusetts, Connecticut. So really, Northeast mid-Atlantic, some New England. That's where that's where the majority of our people are coming from. But I taught a clinic out in Washington State and had a great conversation with several prospective student-athletes from there. So they're everywhere, especially now that the um, IEA is growing and growing and growing, and that's the middle school and high school organization. They really, those, those riders are coming in with more of a knowledge of what this intercollegiate riding is going to be like. So there are pockets all across the country.
0: You mentioned being in Tennessee, coming to DelVal. What specifically kind of opened the door to Doylestown? Like, was it just something you heard about the opportunity or did somebody recommend you? You heard about it, looked into it, kind of what's the the line that, that gets you to Doylestown?
1: Yeah, I, the job opening um, was posted and I applied and then came up and interviewed. That was probably in July. And then I moved up in August. So it was quick. It was really, it was a quick transition to um, moving up to the Northeast. And um, then I, I didn't, I guess I didn't anticipate that this would be forever for me, but now I've really put down roots and I love it here. But again, I really don't like being cold. So that's the only thing. I just don't like being cold. (laughs)
0: <laughs> and you mentioned putting down roots. I mean, you're talking 23 years. Was there a tangible moment mentally where you said, all right, I think this is it. Like, I think this is where I'm going to set up shop. Or was it one of those all right, you're here. I'll probably be here for a few years. And then it's five years and then it's 10. And all of a sudden you're getting the 20 year pin. Like, was it definitively one of those two tracks?
1: I don't think so. I think it was somewhere in between where I had opportunities to go other places and ultimately decided, no, I really, I love the job. I love the students. I love the horses, certainly. So I think that I just kept choosing Del Valle, And so here I am. Yeah, 20 However, many years later.
0: From the academic standpoint, you're chair of the Department of Equine Science, full professor. What are you teaching? Like, what goes into what makes up Equine Science? What kind of classes? What are students learning?
1: Well, we have a real focus on hands on learning at Del Valle. That is one of the hallmarks of all of our programs. The classes that I teach, I teach a few writing skills classes. So I am teaching that they're getting academic credit. We're reading textbooks. We are watching videos. They're getting midterms and finals, and they're also riding horses. So they are getting academic credit to for the riding skills classes. I teach a pedagogy class for typically it's for the instruction and training specialization students. So they want to teach and train for um, their career. So I'm teaching them. It's an introductory class of how do you teach this stuff? And I would say that a large percentage of the time we spend on and how do you make it safe, right? How do you teach it? How do you make it safe? But the students are learning all sorts of things. We have an equine nutrition class where, yeah, they're in the classroom and they're they're learning from a textbook and from an instructor, but they're also coming down and analyzing the horses. They're looking at feedstuffs. They're looking at hay, they're looking at what we call body condition score how how thin or round are the horses and what's optimal for that specific course for his specific job we have breeding classes so we have a an on-campus breeding center. We have foals or baby horses every spring. We actually will have foal cams this year so the general public can get online and watch the babies be born, which is pretty cool. Um, That's a partnership with the uh, Pennsylvania Horse Racing Association. But those students are not only learning all of the steps about breeding, but they're also there when the foals are born. So they're getting the hands-on experience, and that comes in, that goes in tandem with the theoretical knowledge that they're learning.
0: And I got to imagine that having kind of this soup to nuts experience where you're learning all these things just makes the ability to compete even higher because there's an appreciation for what goes into everything, how important everything is. And not that you can't just have success by, you know, riding constantly and learning, but. Kind of having this deep, marrow-deep understanding of the entire picture, I think almost it just has to help make you a better competitor, no?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think we're we're turning out really well-rounded equine professionals, and that comes into play when they're competing. Sometimes um, at the end of the day or even at the end of a class um, at the horse show, the judge, one of the approved tests is to ask a knowledge-based question and I think that we we often come out on top on those because they do have the theoretical background from academic classes or just from being in this environment. So even if it's not as even if it's a student who's a bio major or a wildlife major or a business major, which we have all of those on the teams. Even if they're not an equine major, they're still in this environment where knowledge is important, learning is important, and it's important to not just be able to ride the horse but to know about the
0: horses. What do you feel purely from the coaching standpoint is the toughest thing to get a kid over the hump for? Like is there a certain aspect that is kind of the the toughest to become really good at? Is there one thing or one or two things that are just only the best of the best can really get this at a high level?
1: Well, I think Maybe one thing is teaching feel. So just the connection between the hand and the horse's mouth through the reins, teaching feel is pretty tricky. And so for a rider who's a little bit more of a novice rider, moving into more advanced classes where they're being asked more technical questions, having that connection is really important. And that's something that takes a lot of hours, takes a lot of practice. So that's one thing. And then I think Just like you have star athletes in all other sports where you say, like, there's just something a little special. Like, we can say all of the things that this kid is doing correctly. We can say, like, yeah, you've got these, you know, this ratio for your arms. You've got, you know, we can do all of the biomechanics of it. But I think that it also comes down to, like, there's just something a little special special. And so sometimes you end up with those riders. And that's pretty cool. If you have one who has that just added sparkle, just a little bit of something that the judge always wants to look at.
0: Favorite part of what you do?
1: Oh, My favorite part is the relationships for sure, hands down. So I love meeting them when they first come in, seeing them develop. I love going to weddings and hanging out with all of their former teammates. Um, I love going to baby showers. I love getting the phone calls. I love getting the messages. I love that part. But I also think that I really love watching them come together as a team. It, it is, unless you're doing the IEA stuff, it is an individual sport. And so for them to be able to turn that individual sport into a team sport in college riding, Some of these students who haven't had the opportunity to really be part of a team, then they get all of the benefits from that. And that's pretty cool to watch, seeing them mesh as a team, seeing them really kind of figure it out. And sometimes the way that the scoring works, you know, you have to be happy that somebody just beat you in your class because it ultimately is better for the team. And that's hard. And when they get to that point where they're really looking out for the team and they really want, certainly they want to be successful, but ultimately they want DelVal Equestrian to be successful. I think that's a great life lesson. I think there's so many great life lessons in college riding.
0: Corey Kiesnick, thanks so much for taking the time.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me.
0: And that will do it for this week's episode of One on One with Matt Leon, sponsored by your Delaware Valley Honda dealers. Get a deal you'll like on a Honda you'll love. Many thanks to Corey Kieschnick, Director of Equestrian Sports at Delaware Valley University, for being our guest this week. Now, if you like the show, if you listen on Apple Podcasts, could you do us a favor and leave us a rating and a review? We would really appreciate it. You can follow the show on the platform formerly known as Twitter, now known as X at One on One Pod. You can follow me there as well at Matt Leon 1060 Thanks so much for listening, and be sure to check us out again next week when we bring you another conversation with someone you should know more about.